God, you got Spirit, Holy Ghost. Okay, all you got a whole list more. We're not going to go into all that. But the problem's this: they think of this and this as being persons or people or individuals. So that's what the problem lies. So you got to show them that hey, this is a spiritual thing here, and this is an earthly thing here. And the only reason that this is God is because it had this in it. You see? Otherwise, this would just been flesh. You cannot allow them to separate the flesh and the spirit. You get more than one deity if you do. You got hundreds of scriptures and your little search for truth has stuff that helps uh, you, you know, other scriptures. But what I want to get at is this. You, you've got to be able to teach us Godhead in a manner uh, like, like uh, Colossians 1 and 15. It says that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. So that's saying God's invisible. And the illustration I always use is this. If God was in this room standing in front of you, you wouldn't know He was here. Amen. Except that He put on a face or a mask. So here I stand. Or here Jesus Christ stands. That's the mask of the invisible God. That's the image of that which was invisible. They can see this. You're bringing it down on an elementary level is what you're doing. And we get talking about, use simple words, man. We get talking about deity. They don't know what deity is, but they do know what God is. You see, people are simple and simple-minded. Be as simple as possible. But I take this chalkboard and I divide this visible and invisible. Or I may say flesh and, and spirit or something like that. And give them a list of these terms and show them that Jesus Christ was uh, the spirit in him made him God. This helps you teach God in where they can see it. Uh, I use that quite a bit. Always in the God. And it sure makes a difference. Now, man, I don't know how Brother Yance teaches or, or maybe what he's got is going better, but this is what's worked for me. You don't have to use this if you don't want to. But when I go into a man's home to teach him the Bible, I'm going to give him a Bible college education for so worry. I'm going to give him everything I know about God. And in so doing, you're not only getting him saved, but you're establishing him as you go. You see? All right. The church age. They were tested by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their failure was they disobeyed. And the judgment. Seven years tribulation. Seven years tribulation that falls on the earth. Hopefully we're gone. Now you're always going to meet this question. Is the church going to be raptured before the tribulation or not? I like to believe it is. Believe me, I do. Yeah. And, and I think it is. But this is your answer to that. Whether it goes or whether it stays, the safest places with the church. It's the only ark. So the safest place is with the church. If the church goes, you're all right. If it stays, you're still going to be all right. So what you're trying to drive into them is get with the church. That's the only ark, the only place of safety. So that's your best answer to that. And as you study this and develop your own theory, I personally believe the church is going out before the tribulation. But if it don't, if it don't, I sure hope it goes out in the middle. <laughs> yeah, like the preacher says, "Don't conference. I'm gonna believe the first one. If it don't work, I'm gonna take the second one. If it don't work, I ain't got nothing but the last one to do. So yeah. I'll stay with it." Yeah. And as you study in this, you can see the theories. Don't get bogged down arguing this. We got a man in our town. All he wants to do is argue this. <laughs> you know, what? man. Every time I see him, I say, "Well, Ed, have a happy tribulation." <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is don't don't get locked in here with a theologian. Man, if he wants to believe the church going through the tribulation, let him have it. I don't, I don't think that uh, I mean it's gonna matter. Don't get locked in on things like that. Okay. The tribulation is the judgment on the church age. That's judgment on people that were not baptized in Jesus' name. Okay, you got that? All right, now, the millennial reign. It's the last time that God tests man. Now, the responsibility in this period of time is uh, God's going to set up an earthly kingdom here and rule for 1,000 years of peace. Okay, their responsibility is going to be to that government. Their failure is that they'll fight against or disobey that government. And the judgment that falls on that will be when God destroys God for the last time. In this period of time, 
Satan, you can say the judgment will be the white throne judgment. That's where we're all going in that period of time. Now, you can, uh, uh, Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. Somebody says, well, well what, what's it for? This period of time is showing the entire other dispensations in the world that even without no devil, man will not live for God. So if anybody tries to lay it on you, you can tell them it's not so. Satan's going to be bound, and man still ain't going to live for God. He's still going to be disobedient. That's just nature in us. Don't let those people out there try to tell you the devil made me do it devil probably ain't been a hundred miles of them you know <laughs> there's a thing in our nature that makes us willfully disobey god that's our fallen nature don't let them blame god let me tell you this you'll find people that blame god for the drought in california and is blaming god for the drought you're having here now don't let them do that god didn't do that did you know that god's not causing this drought those uh mexicans down there in the gulf is what's doing it you're right brother god didn't do that they did there's some things that man does that god doesn't do the drought we had in california they labeled it to the fact that there was so much pollution in the air that changed the air currents that there was no rain god didn't do that man did when god gave us planet earth it worked all right and we've little by little by little destroyed it. So don't let them tack the blame on God. Either get it back where it belongs, on them or on the devil. <laughs> and chances are the devil didn't do half of it. <laughs> so, so, so what I'm saying, hey, the devil made me drink. Well, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know? Alright, now, this millennial reign, the responsibility is to be obedient to that kingdom. We don't know exactly what the rules and regulations are going to be, but uh, it'll be obedience to Jesus Christ. The failure is they don't, and Satan's loose for a little season, and men come down to fight against the kingdom of God again, and they are destroyed. The Bible said he destroyed God with the sword of his mouth. That's the judgment for the white throne. I, I always say the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment takes place right here. Now, uh, have we lost anybody anywhere yet? We'll, we'll give you a chance to ask some questions in a minute. But I want to point out one more thing. I don't know how Brother Elder teaches this, but y'all go with whatever he teaches. But I believe in more than one judgment. And some people believe in one judgment. I don't know. Uh, I believe in the judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment. You remember that one? The judgment seat of Christ is this. That's yeah, that's where the saints receive their reward. Reward. I'm not. When we think of judgment, we think of boom, gone, blown out of the country. But did you realize that all judgments aren't negative? And when they judge that woman for Miss America, that's a positive judgment. Boy, she get the reward. You see. So what I'm saying is, the judgment seat of Christ, found in Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians three, I forget the scripture, is a judgment of rewards where crowns are given, and that's us, man. Let me tell you something. If you make the rapture, you get as far as the judgment seat of Christ, you got eternal security of the believer, man. But if you can get that far. Now, the judgment seat of Christ should take place while this tribulation is going on down here. We should be in the heavens receiving rewards for soul wedding, preaching, teaching, visiting the sick, take care of the widows and the orphans and all these things. You see, there's a lot of things to, to, to get rewards for besides pastoring churches. <laughs> what, what do you feel in that scripture there that you're referring to It talks about those things that when they're judged and if they don't stand up to the judgment, they're, they're removed out of the way and... and uh, what happens there? Do you just receive a lesser reward, or, or what do you feel? I, I I have my own thought there that I tell people, and I just tell them that uh, you'll have a crown with, with 49 jewels in it, and God will pluck one out, and you won't have that one, and you won't have this because this doesn't quite measure up. I I really don't. Okay, know. Uh, when you get here, we'll be so happy to get here. We're not going to be concerned with rewards. But, however, I know what the uh, scriptures are. Yeah, I just want to read that. Because I've never ran into that anywhere, brother. Yes, ma'am. If we make the rapture, then there's nobody going to be thrown out after they win. You get that far, honey. You've got eternal security. I don't care about the 
Now, now let me say I used to say I, I used to say I don't care about no crown but let me tell you something I'm going to be up for several thousand years so I might as well get the best I can get <laughs> you know I'm not just going up there for a few days I want the best room in the place <laughs> so you, you, you see what I'm saying you will you may not care about a crown now after you've been up there 10,000 years you might wish to get a little more down here <laughs> alright here's, here's the scriptures 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and the 13th verse to the 15th, I think. 1 Corinthians 3 and 13. Yeah. Your Bible is set up on this day if you put it right in the middle. Uh, Your Bible is set on there if you put it right in the middle. Um, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet also as by fire. So it, that tells me that, it, I mean, there's going to be rewards, but it's something somewhere along the line, that maybe it was a good work, but it just doesn't stand up to God's fire of judgment. It's yeah, just, it, it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's like if I go here. It'll, it'll be burned up. It, what is it, what's going to happen there? Is it just going to be gone? Up. There's some Christians today who are spending all their time instead of teaching home Bible studies on college. Right, yeah, I, I put it to you this way, they're brother. Building, they're, uh, building, well, I don't even think, brother, I personally don't even think that them works. I, I, I think them things will be, uh, when God fans the floor, that them things are like chaffing. Well, they'll be gone. But these are, he's talking about something that's going to be there that he'll judge at that moment. There's maybe. Well, I think here fire just means judgment. Yeah. Well, you know, he was talking about previously about bring forth a, a judgment about building with, be with stones, wood, right. hay, and this kind of thing. So the hay, stubble, silver, gold, all of that. He's he's referring to what we're doing now. You see, church age. Uh, uh, he he said, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stone wood, hay, and stubble. He's talking about these things going to perish. And then he goes on down here and he says, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall re be revealed by fire. It could be the fire of persecution, uh, uh, the testing, shaking of the end time. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire is, is for... God's going to reveal this stuff by fire. He's literally going to rain fire down out of heaven. And it's going to be tried by fire. This hay, a literal fire. You, they know you used to spiritualize that thing. It's a literal fire. It's going to be tried. Okay. I, I feel like this, Brother Character, I may be wrong, but I feel like that has to do with here and now. Is that where you're at? Oh, you, you're talking about the works here and now, right? Well... I guess. See, well, here on this chart, see, now let me show you. Uh, maybe this chart just come off base. And, you know, pictures speak a thousand words. And you look at a picture and, and you get a, something in your mind. Let me find this picture. Right here. Now, you've got, you've got these people, and we might show them. You've got these people standing here at the judgment seat of Christ. Right here. And, and here you are in heaven. And then they use this scripture, 13 through 15. Maybe all that scripture don't apply at that time. But that picture gives you the implication it does. And those people see that. And I've tried to explain that. And boy, it, yeah, I, okay, I, I don't know I've ever given a satisfaction. Okay, satisfaction let, let me say this. The judgment seat of Christ is where we receive the rewards for what we've done right here and now. Okay? That's what that's all about. Okay. Then, then, uh... What I'm saying is, there might be some sort of rebuke or chastisement for what we didn't do that we should have done. Uh, uh, it, it's a possibility because of the fact that, you know, 
there's a lot of times we get outside the will of God. And we feel that here and now. We don't want to pay for that here and now, but we love to be paying for it down the road in the fact that it might have cost us something great that we could have had with God. Does that, does that add any light to it so far, brother? Am I getting in the right area where you're at? Maybe, maybe what... Uh you see, what we do here now determines what we get then. You see? And so, uh, I think they put that scripture in there to talk about, you know, let's you know, build on the foundation and do this and do that now. You, you'll have some people that that uh, their, their, they, their works are, uh, they don't make it through the fire. I've seen preachers go out and build churches and collapse in three months and six months and eight months and a year. What happened? Well, undoubtedly, it was either a flaw in them, you know, in what they were building with. Maybe they weren't teaching the, uh, the strong doctrine. Maybe they weren't praying enough, fasting enough or anything. So the works they were building collapsed. All right. But, so we get the judgment and we find out that, hey, this man was building this work and it collapsed on him. And uh, so he lost his reward. That he might have got. It could be that. Like I said, we're on this end looking out. We'll, we'll go into that again in a minute. Sister? Sounds good. Uh, we'll come back to that just in a second. Cause I think the most specific thing about that, I never noticed that before, that they use this picture. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I mean, in the 15th verse it says, If any man's work he sh it shall be if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Meaning, uh, near as I can catch that something he's going to carry with him, and I keep getting the thing in my mind from this picture that I'll be standing before Jesus Christ one of these days and he'll look at me and he'll name all, he'll open up a little book there or, or a large book or, or something because the scripture talks about opening books and all these things and, and I see in there and he goes to listing off all these things and, and as they come forth there's a judgment there and if it can't stand it just melts and runs off. And, and that's that's good right here. Let me say this: the judgment what, seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, has nothing to do with salvation. If you get that far, you've made it. Well, it well, has I, I to do with that. rewards. Okay, you may gain or lose a reward because of something you've done, sister. Well, uh, then they speak somewhere in the Talks about crowns and, and kings and I've been teaching this portion right here, and I've never really, really had a clear understanding. Brother, what I've said is this that probably what you don't do here will cost you a reward there and cost you something there. That's the way I would look at it. But we can we can dig deeper on well, this plan. Some of the loss could be Brother Fang in that situation if some of the things that we yeah, that's another thing, man. I gave $5,000 in the offering last year. Well, that just that little speech right there could have cost me something cost over there, you see. The Bible says do it in secret. You see, we can do things that take away rewards, and we can do things that get rewards. And we get rewards now, and we're going to get some there. See, it's not a totally, it's not a negative thing. Does that does that help you any there? Right now, I said a whole, whole lot more than anything else. Okay, we'll, we'll climb back on that again a little bit. But remember this in the millennial reign. 1,000 years. Their responsibility is to be obedient to Jesus Christ. There is no devil. And because there is no devil, they still fail God. They still disobedient. Now, there will be people born in the millennial reign, just like we are right now. They're going to have this old nature. Bible said that in the book of Isaiah, uh, a man be a hundred years old would still be called a child, or a child would live to be a hundred years. So when you're living to be a thousand years, that's a long time. 
you forget social security. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but the judgment on the millennial reign, white throne judgment. And at the end of that millennial reign, Jesus Christ destroys Gog again. And Satan is cast into the bottomless pit forever this time. I want to ask, what about the people that don't take the mind of the beast? Okay, you always run into that. I might as well cover that. I just want to evade that because I don't know how your pastor feels. Some people say that that uh, there'll be people saved during this period of time, and some say no Gentile will, and you hear all of this and that. I personally believe that if you had an opportunity to be saved, be Jesus' name only, baptized, and you rejected it, you're going to get it here. No backslider is going to get through here. I'll just be frank with you. I do not believe a backslider or a person rejected God will last through that seven years. Okay, that clarifies that. So if anybody's thinking about leaving the church and trying that, forget it. <laughs> but but I feel there will be people saved during this period of time. Somebody says, well, no Gentiles. Well, I haven't done that much study on it, but there is a scripture in Revelation said that John saw standing on the crystal sea a number that no man could number of every tongue, kindred, and tribe under the nation. Well, if that's so, that sounds to me like a few Gentiles. Always in every situation, you got seven different Uh-huh, that's good. In every dispensation, you've got something here. The time you get over here to the dispensation of promise, you start to pick up people such as, uh, what was your name? They have the harlot. They have the harlot. You're starting to pick up Ruth, the Gentile, who's in the blood lineage of Jesus Christ. You're starting to pick up Gentiles. By the time you get over to law, you've got Gentile proselytes in the Jewish church. Time you get to the church age. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, Fifteen twenty-three. Which one? Fifteen twenty-three. Read it, brother. And every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at His coming. All right. So when you take you take Rahab the heart, she was obedient to whatever she was in, whether it be human government or promise. You take uh, you take Ruth. She was obedient to the time of the law, Jewish prophet. You take uh, yeah. And you take many of them on the day of Pentecost were Jewish proselytes. Uh, what was it I want to say they called them? They were converted to the Jewish religion. These people, all in these dispensations, even though they were just a few Gentiles in these dispensations, these Gentiles in these dispensations will be saved. Right. At the rapture, when the rapture takes place, these people will go into rapture because they obeyed during the time and they were every man in his own order. Adam, Seth will be saved out of here and Abel will be saved out of innocence because they kept that which was in their own order of innocence. And Noah will be saved out of here. And you go on down, Abraham, the father of all the righteous. Go on down, Moses, and the law, and all these. These will be in the bride of Christ, every man in his own order, going up. All right, but you take the church age. Now, the church age, we all know, flows over to the Gentiles. And it's more Gentiles in the church than there is Jews in the church right. because the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. Right. So there's more Gentiles saved in the church age than there is Jesus. But again, after the church is raptured, the Lord turns again to the Jew. Now, so that means in this dispensation that there will be, the dispensation is only for the 144,000 Jews. But at the same time it's for the 144,000 Jews, there will be Gentiles in this dispensation that will give their head to be saved. And the same as it was a remnant of Gentiles here and here and here, but mostly Gentiles here. That's the way I believe mean. You see, but a remnant of Gentiles will be saved here that gives their head. But no backslider will, so don't. No, sister. There will be sin in the Yes, sir. There will be sin in the millennial reign. Because that's what brings the failure and then we'll the judgment. 
Well, that's when the judgment comes, but they'll probably sin all the way along. All the way along, too. Yeah, because that's just human flesh like we are, sister. Right. We won't be like we are now. We won't fail God. The thing that makes us fail God is this. This flesh. You see, Satan tempts and it gets out of hand. We're going to receive a new uh, body. And it's not going to be like this. And so we'll be here. We'll be ruling near the, in the millennial reign. And uh, as to how we'll be ruling, whether we'll be ruling uh, we're cities and so on and so we'll be spiritual creatures right and it's a possibility one man said this and it's a possibility that we may be ruling other worlds out there somewhere you don't want to eliminate that no I can't exactly tell you who will be ruling the Bible talk about the judgments of nations and angels so it could be nations angels other realms other planets uh, other universes. Dear Lord, you ever look in the sky up at night? That's a room with no top on it. <laughs> Brother, I was witnessing to the whole witness one time. They plan on staying on the earth forever, you know. I come out to the room with them. Yeah, they ain't gonna be on the earth. And I don't want to rule where they're going either. Amen. Oh, excuse me. Where we at, brother? Right here. Yeah, I got two questions. All right. Number one, you said that there's going to be no backsliding thing. I said no backsliding will make it to the end. Huh? That That's not a dispensation. That's a judgment on a dispensation. Always remember this. Tribulation is not a, a dispensation. Uh, there will be people who somehow be saved, but it's mainly a judgment on the Gentile church age. Okay. Okay, now my other question. I'll ask him when I get there. <laughs> understand what? Baptists drew this chart. They better understand it. <laughs> uh, that's because of, there's a lot of reasons why a man don't have the truth. One, he uh, is locked in tradition. Another is he uh, he wants to keep on sinning. He likes life the way it is, and he ain't gonna come out, you know, from among them. Uh, a lot of it's just they, they teach again tongues and again Holy Ghost, and a man can't overcome sin without the Holy Ghost. That's an impossibility because the power of the Holy Ghost overcomes this flesh nature, and so he brings it under subjection to where it will do what God wants it to do. It's like two dogs inside of you fighting. You know which one wins? The one you feed the most. If I feed the carnal dog a lot, it wins. If I feed the spiritual dog a lot, it wins. You see? So whatever dog you're feeding is the one that wins. But you see what it is? The reason they won't come on in is a lot of reasons. They reject truth. Uh, some of them... Uh, did you know that 97% of the Baptists don't believe the Bible's being the Word of God? They just listen to what somebody tells them. That's their religion. So, unbelief. <laughs> Unbelief's another. This ain't hard. This is easy. The Bible said he made so the babes could understand it. So you know what? There's less intellectual people in our movement than theirs, and we understand it. So it's not a question of understanding. It's a question of wanting or willing to let God lead you. Does that help you? Does that answer your question? Also, tradition plays a tremendous part in it. Hey. Granddad was a Baptist preacher. You know, he couldn't be wrong. You see, and that kind of thing. And so our job is to get them into this, and if they won't come, then it's on their head and not mine. You see? And that's our job. It wasn't hard for you. You see it. I see it. Yeah, they can too. It's, it's a, if you want to, you will, and if you don't. It's like this. One man put it this way. If, if, if a man wants to be saved, can nobody stop him. If a man don't want to be saved, can nobody help him. And that's what it boils down to. Does that help you? Any more questions anywhere? Anybody else? Brother, right here. You said that uh, no backslider can make it through the tribulation. What about somebody who's not backslider and never known the truth? And at the last, they had the last choice of they will probably make it through. The reason a no backslider won't make it is this. Let me tell you why the backslider won't make it through. If I turn to Jeremiah 12, You've got other 
other. See, the bride of Christ is mainly the church age. I don't even want to be in Christ. No, you don't get yeah, involved just, in these kind of things. I avoid them like Unless play. you're up against a super smart individual in the church somewhere. And most of them, <laughs> not even the normal Baptists, don't think about it. Well, if you're willing to somebody like that, it's like me. I'm not smart enough to teach you. Yes, you are. Yeah. You ever think that? Yes, you are. You're smart enough to whip the smartest Baptists. There's no reason why the church should worry. It just sends this revival over and The search is for you who would be the smartest Baptist theologian. In the book of Jeremiah, the 12th chapter, in the fifth verse, it says, The fowls run with the footmen, and they have weary feet. Then how canst thou continue with the horses? And if in the land of peace, when thou trusted, they weary thee, and how will thou do the swelling of Jordan? What this verse is saying is, that you were baptized in Jesus' name. Some of these other sisters over there uh, uh, speak uh, English. They're going to go in one group. And Jack and I is going to go in one group. You see? Because I'm going to go with the, the people that understand what I'm saying. So that's what happened. All right. Now. All right. Lord. All right. So the confounding of the languages scattered the people. Okay. Then the next dispensation is promise. This is a good one. Their commandment was to dwell in Canaan's land. They were commanded to dwell in the land. You get that little book I was telling you about, it gives you all these scriptures. I don't know where they're located on top of my head. If you have to have them, you, it's best to have a little book because then you can refer to them. Their commandment and, and promise dispensation was to uh, dwell in the lands. Their failure was, and God tested three men in this period of time. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all three of them went down in Egypt. All three of them broke the responsibility of that period of time. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they went down in Egypt. And God had to deliver them. Their failure was disobedience and going to Egypt. And the judgment that fell on the promised dispensation was 400 years of bondage in Egypt. 400 years of bondage in Egypt. And that brought the judgment on the promised dispensation. And the reason it's called promised dispensation is the covenant that God made with Abraham. That's very important. If you ever want to do a good Bible study, do it on the Abrahamic covenant. And we're tied into that Abrahamic covenant by baptism in Jesus' name. Well, and that'll preach. <laughs> yes, sir. The token of the covenant which we're tied into is baptism in Jesus' name. So if a person ain't baptized in Jesus' name, he doesn't have covenant relationship with God. All right. Promise. One more time. Dwell in Canaan's land. Failure was they went into Egypt. The judgment was God left them down there for 400 years. And it was called promised dispensation because of the covenant God made with Abraham. He reaffirmed that covenant with Isaac and he reaffirmed it again with Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were tested in that period of time. And in that period of time, God began to take out of the world a nation in which he would show forth his glory. All right. So after 400 years of bondage, we come to what's called the dispensation of the law. Before we go into that, I want to say this. There ain't airtight water compartments in which these start and stop. They overlap a little bit. You can't say on the 13th day of May, this one started and that one stopped. Don't let anybody try to put you in that position. Uh, because it may not have been exactly 400 years for this other one started. But it was in that vicinity. So the dispensation of the law began with the children of Israel. They were in bondage, but you could say it began either at the time Moses began to lead them out or the time that God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. They call it the dispensation of the law, and the reason is God is testing them according to His law. And uh, we'll cover that in a second. But I want to say this. The first four dispensations of time are found in the book of Genesis. So, if you can remember that, that gives you four of them. So, we got to remember to study these. Okay. First four dispensations of time is found in the book of Genesis. Then Exodus. 
takes off with the beginning of the law and it goes clear to Jesus Christ's crucifixion at Calvary. It does not stop at Malachi. A lot of people think, well, hey, the Old Testament stopped at Malachi, but it didn't. It stops after the four Gospels or after the crucifixion on Calvary. Now, here was the responsibility. They were responsible to obey the law of Moses. The Ten Commandments plus all the Levitical laws. Okay, their failure was that they disobeyed. Now, I want to say this. The number one thing they disobeyed in that brought judgment on them was the number one commandment. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. They had plenty of other gods. And that got them in trouble not one time, but many times. And God sent more than one judgment. But He finally sent the last judgment, which we'll look at in a minute. But remember, they broke the number one commandment all the time. And that's what was their failure, their, their number one failure. And the judgment that fell on them, the final judgment, was when Titus's army, clear over here, it happened right over here. Titus's army marched against Jerusalem and destroyed every, uh, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed uh, uh, the people, took them into bondage, and they were dispersed through the world. Through the world, they were scattered and uh, ceased to be a nation until I believe it was 1945. So what I'm saying is the judgment was the destruction of Titus and the dispersion of Israel through the land. But also, you want to keep in mind too, these three things are very important when you study the law. It came in three categories. It came in civil, it came in ceremonial, and it came in moral. So when Jesus Christ spoke and said, I come to fulfill the law, not to do away with it, what was He saying? He was saying this, He come to fulfill the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law required the supreme blood sacrifice. You've got to get this because you're going to run into it out there. It, it required the supreme blood sacrifice of a man. And Jesus Christ was the man, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb that paid the supreme blood sacrifice of the ceremonial law. So He fulfilled this category of the ceremonial law at Calvary. The civil law, uh, we ought to be under. It was a good civil law, but it stopped too. When Israel ceased to be a nation, the civil law of Israel ceased. But we're under the civil law of Hutchinson, Kansas. Me, Colorado Springs when I'm there. So the civil and the ceremonial are, are gone, except for the fact that we do use civil law, some of it based on their law. But the moral law still goes on. Buddy, that's your, that's your, uh, your fornication, your adultery. Uh, the more have to do with the morals of man. Lying. Pardon? Still flowing on. So when somebody, this is where the world uses grace. They said, hey, we're under grace, not under law, so we can commit all the adultery we want and be saved. No, you can't. The Bible said all liars and all fornicators will have their place in the lake of fire. So what that's saying is we're under grace. They had grace clear across here, whether you believe it or not. It was the grace of God that He even gave them the law. <laughs> and we're under grace. But that grace is, is not a license to sin. And that's what the world tried to make of it. So when you look at grace doctrine according to their thinking, that, hey, we can sin because we can't help it. We can help it. Holy Ghost gives us the power to quit sin. All right. So there's no license or no room in here anywhere for sin. We don't advocate it. In fact, when we're teaching them, or at least I do, I tell them, you know, I, there's no excuse. I mean, you can come to a place in God where you can overcome it. Okay, and then the next, okay, we got the responsibility was to obey the law. Their failure was they broke it. They broke the number one commandment. The judgment was the dispersion of Israel through the nation and the destruction of Titus when he come and destroyed Jerusalem. Titus was a Roman general that just annihilated Jerusalem. Left not a stone upon a stone. All right. So, uh, the law, the law, you can say, uh, ended at, uh, at uh, the destruction of Titus. That was the final judgment. But really, I say it ended right here because Jesus Christ uh, paid the supreme sacrifice of 
the, the ceremonial law, so that ushered us into some a new test. Now, you go, pardon? Let me help you right here. The law ends at 6 o'clock in the evening when Jesus Christ and the Christ is finished. All right. And the evening sacrifice is going on at that time, and the veil is rent from the top to the bottom. All right. That's when it stops. Okay, that's good. All right, but the judgment didn't come until 30 years after Jesus Christ's death. 30 A.D., Titus destroyed Jerusalem. Okay, now, something new began to happen now. And so this is where we're at. Man, everything we're teaching is heading toward this. And don't wait till you get over here to teach baptism. You can teach baptism under the tabernacle plan over here. You can teach it when you get to Noah. Uh, don't hesitate. Okay, one thing you, you want to be sensitive of is this when you go out there. Dear Lord, you know, if a man needs help, he needs it now. He can't wait 10 lessons for me to get him help. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we go out there and we'll, we don't do nothing for him until we get way over here. Man, I've baptized a lot of people in the first Bible study. They want something now. Then there's others, if you do that, you're going to run them off. So you've got to let the situation tell you Man, you can't clobber them with it. You can't say, hey, you got to do it. But I'm going to tell you this, when I get over here and they ain't been baptized yet, boys is when really become evangelistic. Hey, you need to be baptized tonight. You know, yeah, boy, I don't fool around with them, boy. I've got this far and they ain't come on. Hey, you got to get baptized tonight. He says, well, you know, I'll wait till next. What do you want to wait for? You know, then you start crowding his corner, boy. You level with him. Hey, you know, you got to do this to be saved and you know. Well, I don't believe that way. What is it you don't believe? We'll cover it again. You see, find out where the snag is. Man, you're giving him his older call now. It's now or never. And if you lose him here, you may be able to pick him up over here in the tribulation or somewhere. But nine times out of ten, you'll get the man before you get here. But if you don't, you definitely get him here. Now, the person that gives you the most trouble is not the one that asks you a lot of questions. Dear Lord, that's the guy that gives you the most fire. The one's doing you the best good. The person that will give you the most trouble is the guy that don't ask nothing. He sets up for seven lessons or six lessons. And, 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 and I've had several of them. And I'm going to tell you something. They're hard to teach. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what their problem is. You don't know where they're snagged at. You know what? You don't know nothing. They won't tell you nothing. I, I, as I go along, I stop and I say, do you understand that? And they got to say yes. And I want to know where they're at. Never let them be confused. Dear Lord, confusion's of the devil. That's what we're out there for, is to stop confusion. Man, I'll teach a little while, I said, now you see that so far. And if they don't, then we'll, we'll, we'll get them to where they do. And also, also, man, insist that they ask questions, regardless of how stupid they are. You know, they ask stupid questions, but sometimes they ask some good ones too. And, You've been asking pretty hard. Yes, sir. Boy, they'll, they'll make you so sharp when they get done asking questions that, boy, you'll just, you'll feel so good. <laughs> All right, now, they'll keep you on your toes. Yeah, they will. Yes, sir. You'll feel like an apostolic preacher when they get done cheating. But really, encourage questions. I, I haven't read any of Yance's material until just now she handed me one. She, Sister Keller, handed me one. And he said, let them write their questions out and answer them later. Now, he may do that, but I want them to ask them now because I want to know where they're at. The only and, reason why, let me interrupt you. Go ahead. The only reason why uh, I would admonish any of you to then write the questions down and you ask them later. It's because you are very skittish and you are what what will be insecure. Yeah. Of yourself. I'm sure of yourself. Then you should bring it to me. You should work it out. There's an answer for everything. Let me tell you what Brother Payne just told me about which many of you Feel their need, man. They're letting you know right where they're at. And always remember this. You take the man from where you find him. 
if he's already repented somewhere and he's already got faith and he might have got the Holy Ghost and Assembly of God Church, then you know where you're heading. You're heading toward Jesus' name baptism. Right. You know, from the Word go. If he don't have the Holy Ghost and he hasn't been baptized, then I suggest you sell the Holy Ghost because, hey, look what this will do for you. Look what this is. Sell the power of God. Sell the miracles of God. Sell the security and the protection and all that. Sell the positive stuff. We don't dwell in negatives. There's times that I've had to teach on hell. I do teach on hell when I'm out there. They need to see the, the, the dark aspect of the thing. I got a Bible study I use of my own that I use on hell that makes a man not want to go there. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is I use that to get him going another direction. Uh, some little old lady, I'm not going out there and hammer hell to her every day because she'll have to commit suicide. You know what? But man, some big tough uh, so-and-so boy, he needs to know about hell. You know, if you can't reach him with anything else, a lot of times you'll get him, get him to stop and think a little bit anyway. So, you know, some of them we have to hammer and others we have to love. <laughs> and and you got to know, you know, you got to feel it out. You got to know what the situation calls for. <laughs> uh, and you got to know who's hungry and who ain't, you know. And if they're not hungry, they get hungry as they go along a lot of times. Some of them are ready to be baptized right now and some aren't. You got to know these things because if you don't, your timing is essential, and all that comes to you as you go. Uh, man, I taught one lady. I'll get in that in a few minutes. But I taught one lady clear across here, and she never said nothing. She never said boo. <laughs> I got over here and I got the hammer on that baptism, and finally I said, she, she, I said, you, you need to let me baptize you tonight, and she said, all right. I shocked. She said, all right. You know, after seven lessons of not saying nothing, finally she said, all right. You know, And so somewhere along the way we reached her. I don't know where. <laughs> but what I'm saying is uh, just, you know, uh, feel it out. Boy, there is no set black and white plan for each house. <laughs> you know? And so don't, you know, go in there with, you know, a black and white idea. Find out where he is and take him from there. Don't. Take him from where you want him to be. Don't clean them up before they get the Holy Ghost. Let them keep their jewelry. Let them keep their makeup. Don't clean them up first. Man, I, I walked in, I walked in the house and they sat and drank their beer while I was teaching. Oh, well, what can you say? You know, it's his house. So uh, after a while, we got rid of that. You know, and, and that kind of thing. But I could say, hey, man, get rid of that. You're going to hell for drinking beer. Well, you know what he'd have done? He said, you take your little chart and hit the road. And we, what would I have done? Nothing. But they, don't let these little things snag you. But we look at a guy and we look at him here, he has a beard and uh, marijuana and all this stuff. And they think, well, he can't be saved. <laughs> That's the first thought that hits you. And you know what? They can be. That's what you're out there to teach him into it. And he will come. He will come. All right, now we want to go to the church age. And we know what that what we're being tested by. The responsibility of the church age is the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? Good news. It's the good news, but it's also a little bit more. What is the gospel? Somebody tell me. What is the good news? What they preach? We can't ask him to that's what they preach. But let me show you something. I use this little old trick here. And it's what I always use, y'all. I show them what the gospel is. You can also show them what it ain't. If you want an ain't just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's the gospel. It's the death of Jesus Christ. Amen. See that? It's the burial. And it's the resurrection. You see? That's what the gospel was. That's what they preached. But then you've got to show them how you identify with that. Repentance. That's where I use this chalkboard quite a bit in this area. Repentance, baptism, and receiving the Holy Ghost. Okay, now you say, well, why do you show them that? Well, a lot of people think that the gospel is just believing the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that there's more than one gospel in the Bible? Did you know that John the Baptist preached the gospel of the kingdom age? What he preached was not what we preach. He, he preached repent for the kingdom of God is nigh. He preached the gospel of the kingdom age. We preach the gospel of the church age. So when you say what is the gospel, you know, clarify. What is the gospel? Okay, the gospel of Jesus Christ is 
death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel of John the Baptist was repentance. Water baptism into repentance for the kingdom of God was nigh. So you want to clarify those kind of things. Now I want to show you something, and this is not another doctrine, but I want you to see this. Salvation comes in three categories. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it comes in the category of past, present, and future. Now, if you'll get this, this will help you win a lot of them Baptists and people think they're already saved. Hey, on the... Uh, uh, in 19... Uh, well, okay, I'll put it this way. May 13, 1973, I was saved. That's past. Present is I am being saved today. And the future is I will be saved if I continue to walk with God. But you're probably wondering why I put this on you. You come to a, to a Baptist and he, he's going to stand up and argue with you. He is saved. You see, you don't want to fight with him on that. If he wants to believe he's saved, let him believe he's saved. You're going to teach him into new light. You see, you're not out there to subtract. You're out there to add and multiply. So don't go out there with a minus sign and start subtracting his past experience. Let me tell you something. When I, I had an experience in repentance before I ever got the Holy Ghost that changed my life. Five straight nights, I laid in an altar and cried until I couldn't get up. I was so weak. And I got up and I never cussed after that again. That changed my life. I didn't have the Holy Ghost, but it was repentance. Somebody come along and try to take that away from somebody, that's all they had. They tell you you're crazy. You're not there to take away his experience. You're there to add to it. Now, I want to say this, and I don't want you to miss me here. Man starts being saved when he believes. He ain't saved. None of us are saved until you know, we get out of here. But he begins being saved. It's a process, a continual process. A man says, hey, I repent and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved. Well, he's partially right. He's saved up to that point because of the fact he don't know anything else. You see? Now, for him to stay saved, you add light to him and, and he obeys it. He stays saved. He, you add light to him and he don't obey it. He don't stay saved. He left light and went to darkness. Jesus Christ gave us the principle of light and darkness when he said, when a man walks in light as he is in the light, or walk in light as I am in the light. He said, but if a man won't walk in light, he walks in darkness. You see? So John the Baptist's disciples is a prime example of this. They had repented. They had faith. And they were baptized according to what they knew to be. But along come Paul, and he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, We haven't heard. Well, yeah, there's a lot of them out there that ain't heard. You may not believe it. I witnessed to a guy one time, and he didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. He goes, Nobody ever told me anything about tongues in all my life. They're out there. They don't know. They haven't heard. So what I'm not, I'm not telling you this. I'm not telling you if he dies back here, he'll be saved. And they're going to ask you, well, what if he dies back here? He won't. <laughs> he won't. The answer is he won't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not going to die back here. We live in America and the gospel's published everywhere. So he's not going to die back here without getting a chance to walk in light. But if he does, he's in the hands of God. Yeah, I'm not on the throne. God is. Don't ask me to judge him. Stay off of those issues, man. And one question you always run into seems like, hey, what about my grandma that was in the Baptist church and she lived for God and she was so holy and she called fire down and she calmed the sea and so on and so forth. She was the holiest woman that ever lived. She wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. You hear that everywhere you go. You know what about grandma? Oh, yeah, grandma was a great woman. You ought to heard about my grandmother. Well, my grandmother was the same way. But they're in the hands of a merciful God. God knows how much light they had. Get that thing off of you and get it somewhere else. You know? Don't let them nail your hide to the wall with that. You know? Man, the, you dare tell one of those people that grandma's in hell, and you know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Get your chart and get out. You know? So don't do that, man. Leave grandma where she is. Let the dead bury the dead, and this gospel's for the living. Right. See? So remember that. Don't 
don't tell nobody. First of all, don't go in somebody's house and tell them they're not saved if they think they are. Let them believe it. After a while, they're going to see they're not. You know? Uh, <laughs> and don't go in there and, and tell them grandma's in hell. Man, leave grandma in the hands of God. That's where she is anyway. So you got to use wisdom. Boy, in the old days, man, we went with a hammer. Boy, grandma didn't make it. You know, we won't either if you live that way. We'll never win anybody. Forget it, man. Grandma's in the hands of a merciful God. Okay, what I'm trying to say about past, present, and future. You come out here and you'll find some good Baptist live for God 15 or 20 years. One of them's preaching in Fort Collins, pastor in the church. All he knew was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and God dealt with him and brought him out of it. See, he didn't know nothing about tongues. Nobody ever come and even witness to him. He had to go where the Pentecostals were because they wouldn't come to where he was. And so that's how he got out. He got hungry. But uh, what I'm trying to say is this. Forget don't get caught down little things. Man said he was saved. All right, he was saved. He began to believe. He repented. Okay, for him to stay saved is that's what you're doing. Him staying saved depends on whether he's going to walk in light or walk in darkness. Okay, you'll know that after a while. It'll manifest itself. And then for him to go on and be saved, just like us, we'll be saved if we continue to walk with God. You see, we can quit any time we want. See, we don't believe in the eternal security of the believer. <laughs> All right. They may. Uh, but nevertheless, I want you to get this. Salvation comes past, present, and future. A man says he's saved, don't argue with him. He'll know after a while. So how you answer questions is very important. Believe me, it is. And you'll win a lot more uh, church-going people this way. Believe me, you'll heal. And then the next thing was... Uh, you, you, when you get in this area, I always show them the five parts that make up salvation. Faith. A lot of them already got that. Repentance. Faith, repentance, baptism. Holy Ghost. And holiness. Okay, now. Man, I've ran into people out there had faith, had repentance, and had holiness, believe it or not. They had holiness. Did you know these Baptists out there don't believe in watching television? Don't believe in smoking, drinking, cussing, fornicating? They are some staunch holiness people already out there. You see? Uh, and they're doing the best they can, but your commission of God to give them baptism and Holy Ghost. See? Find where they are. These are the five steps that bring a man into the kingdom of God. First of all, he's got to have faith. If he don't have faith, he ain't going to do nothing else. If you're working with an atheist, forget it. If he ain't going to believe the Bible, forget it. Try it the best you can. But uh, faith is essential. Then repentance, they generally you'll find them already repentant. That boy I baptized up in the mountains, I, I showed him this. This is what I showed him the first night. And I, he, I said, you got this, Alan, because you wouldn't want me up here to teach you Bible study. He said, well, we've asked for forgiveness. Is that repentance? I said, yeah. So he had this. Okay, so I told him he needed this, this, and this. And I, all this is right here. Let me show you what holiness is. Anybody know what holiness is? It's a long white robe that drags the ground. <laughs> it's a long robe that covers your body from head to toe. No, he, he named it right there. Separation. Okay, now, we'll teach them holiness after we get them saved. Don't. Teach them holiness before they get the Holy Ghost. They can not take it. And if they got some idea that they got to instantly become some long robe garment individual, kill that thing in the head. That hangs people up. Tell them they'll grow into this. When I taught that boy holiness last week, I said, that's separation. That's not separation from your wife. That's not separation from the United States government. That's separation from sin. And he'll know what sin is as you teach on it. That's not throwing out your TV set, though it does become that. But it ain't that right then, anyway. So use wisdom. Man, you can work around these things, you know, until, until he gets strong. And as he gets strong, you can clobber some of those things. But don't clobber them at first. Alright, now, holiness is separation from adultery, fornication, lying, cheating, stealing, smoking, drinking, all that stuff. Holiness is a lot of things. There's a lesson in there on holiness. Okay, 
Now, I didn't even have to tell that girl I baptized her. I didn't have to tell her anything about pants. I wasn't going to. All she owned was pants and pantsuits. She didn't own nothing else. I went back for the next lesson. She had a dress. Of course, it didn't have any sleeves in it, not much of a neck either, but she had a dress. So what I'm saying is she knew something about God to, to get that far. But I wouldn't have said anything to her about her pants for a while yet until they come on and got stable. Don't clobber them over. You know, this is sad, but there are preachers in our movement that will not baptize a man until he gets a shame. Okay. They don't... They won't baptize a man until he cuts his hair. He's got long hair. But they will baptize a woman with short hair. Why don't they wait until she grows her hair back? You see, what I'm trying to say, hey man, ain't nobody believes holiness like I do. I believe they're strong and they're straight, probably more so than most people. But I'm not going to kill a new babe until he gets a chance to choose between God and what he had. And we don't give a lot of them a chance. Buddy, get rid of that beer. Get rid of those cigarettes. Get rid of that alcohol. Get rid of this. Get rid of that. Well, when he's got done getting rid of everything, he ain't got nothing left. He just goes on out the door. I don't want that religion. And you know what happened? Charismatics get him. <laughs> so we don't want that. You see? Now, I use this chalkboard in this area. And I also use it on Godhead. Anybody have trouble teaching Godhead? If you want and they don't have the Holy Ghost and they don't see it, you can go light on Godhead for a while because the Bible says no man can call Jesus Christ Lord except but by the Spirit. If they ain't got a chance, they won't see it. But if you have to teach it and have to defend it, I'll show you the best way to break Godhead down that a man can see it. It's just simple. Uh, you got words.